The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. You know, I'm, I'm 56 years old, and as I look back over 56 years, I think I've pretty much spent 35 of those in jobs where I've been doing uh, performance counseling or receiving performance counseling. And in that time, I have learned a lot of what I think are really helpful lessons. And one of those is that I try to start those performance counselings with uh, positive notes. What do I see that's good? Even if I'm about to just really present a really un, you know, you're just not going to like what I'm about to talk about because it's not going to be fun. Um, I try to start with something positive. I want to do that because. I tend to be pretty optimistic with people, and I want them to know that I have faith for them in the job that we're asking them to do. Well, it's interesting because I feel like in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul's about to do the same thing. Like, he starts off in the first chapter, especially in the first nine verses, which we're going to be going through today. Paul starts off really just trying to be positive. He is positive. He's talking about a lot of good things that he sees, the faith that he has for them, but it's different than the way I would do it. See, unlike me where I grounded um, my, my employees in the faith that I had for them, Paul grounds them in God's faithfulness. Paul points them to the good things that God has faithfully done already on their behalf, and how he, Paul, is now seeing the good results of that among them. Now, if you're familiar with 1 Corinthians, it's about to go downhill. He's going to talk about, he's going to bring up all kinds of stuff, and it's going to be a, a, a very um, corrective letter, maybe the most corrective letter in, in the New Testament. And yet Paul starts with grounding them in God's faithfulness and the good things that he sees. Paul doesn't direct their hope to their own ability to just try harder, but in what God has already faithfully done through Jesus Christ and how God will sustain them until Christ returns so please turn in your Bible. If you have one, use your phone, uh, your actual physical Bible, whatever, to 1 Corinthians 1. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 9, and you can follow as I read along. I'll be using the ESV, but following whatever translation is helpful for you. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech and in all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. 
so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Christ Jesus our Lord. May God bless the reading and the hearing and the preaching of his holy word. And this week, may you know that you are called and sustained by our faithful God. Amen. So, from this passage today, I have really just one simple thought I want you to walk away with. And that is that God is faithful to call us and sustain us in Christ Jesus. Now, to prove that, I'm going to try and make four points. The first, I think they're on the board up there, uh, and that is that God is faithful to call us into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ. Secondly, that God is faithful to call us to be saints, sanctified in Christ Jesus. God then is, on the third point, faithful to call us into the ministry of Jesus Christ. And finally, God is faithful to sustain us to the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's get started with our first point and see that God is faithful to call us into the fellowship of his Son. Now, in verses 1 through 9, Paul actually, Paul actually begins with ministry, moves to saints, and then to fellowship. And I'm going to reverse that, as you've seen. I'm going to reverse that order and start with verse 9. There we read that God is faithful. Let me ask you, who does this verse say called us into the fellowship of Jesus Christ. Who does verse 9 say called us into the fellowship, into our fellowship with Jesus Christ? Well, it's God. It's the Father. As we consider this passage, the first thing I really want us to see is that it is God who is faithful to call us, not ourselves. We didn't do it. It was God who's faithful. We have not called ourselves into fellowship with Jesus, but God. God was faithful to do this while we were still enemies. While we still hated God, God worked to call us. So let me ask you, where were you when God called you? Where were you when God called you? I was 30 years old. I had been on a sprint as hard and fast away from God as I could go since I was 16. I wanted nothing to do with God. But God. But God was faithful. Even while I was still living in my sin, going in my own course, he pursued me with his relentless love. He pursued me and called me into fellowship, the fellowship of his son, Jesus. Friends, God has faithfully called you into a personal relationship 
with Jesus. But it's more than just a personal relationship. God has called you into the fellowship of Jesus. And the word here, fellowship, is important. You know, if you've been around church for any length of time, when they say, oh, it's fellowship time, that means they go downstairs in these old churches and they have coffee and they have donuts and they do some really superficial chit-chat and that's kind of, that's fellowship. <laughs> that is not at all what Paul is talking about. Let's just be really clear about that. Okay, so maybe I'm going to date myself a little bit, but okay, Nick's my son, so you know kind of where range-wise we were around the 2000s when all the J.R.R. Tolkien movies came out, The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, right? Okay, so the Fellowship of the Ring. Did that seem like a superficial chit-chat over coffee and donuts? Was that what that Fellowship of the Nine was about as they went to destroy the Ring of Power? No, 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 no. No, that's not how that worked at all. It was costly. It was dangerous. Some of them would die. And all of them would come back changed. None of them would be the same. In the original language, the noun fellowship actually refers to a, a legal and binding partnership freely entered into by two or more people. It's a term used in, in sometimes with marriage, but often with business contracts. Now, let me give you an example of it. Like in Luke 5, when you read about Peter and James and John all being together as partners in fishing, right? So their partnership was over a fishing boat and, and what they were doing to bring in the catch. What happened if they didn't bring in the catch? They went hungry. That's what happened. Like, they didn't pay their bills. The Romans confiscated their boat. Like, they were in this thing, blood, sweat, and tears together. Because if they didn't put everything into it, they lost everything. That's the fellowship that Paul's talking about as he says that God is faithful and that he's invited you, he's called you into the fellowship of his son. Think of the people right here in this church. Look around, left and right to you. Who's in here? You all together are called into the eternal fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God has done that. Your lives are intimately bound up with one another's because God has called you into this fellowship. You are to partner with Jesus as he builds this church. And you're to be partners with one another. It's, it's not just an individual thing. This thing rises and falls because of our fellowship with one another in Christ Jesus. You are being called to the blood, sweat, and tears equity of this fellowship in the deep bonds that are rooted and grounded and spring forth from Christ Jesus. Amen? 
So the second thing that God has called us to is back up in verse 2. And there, where we see that we are called to be saints. Now, as those whom God has called into the fellowship of his son Jesus, Paul wants to make sure the Corinthians, and I believe us today, know that God has faithfully called us to be saints. Here again, we have not called ourselves. It is God who called us. God has faithfully called us to be saints. Now, to be saints means to be holy ones. So let me ask you, did God call you into the fellowship of his son because you were holy? Like, did he look around? Okay, look at your neighbor again. Did he look around and say, "Ah, yeah, I want that one right there. She's pretty holy. She's going to make me look good, yeah. No, this isn't a law firm. We don't bring people in because of what they offer us, right? It isn't because of your mad skills that God called you. It isn't because you were righteous and holy that he called you into the fellowship of his son. No, the opposite is true. You were an absolute mess, and God is the one who made you holy. God is the one who makes us saints. God is is faithful through his son, Jesus, to make you and I holy. And it is God who now calls you his saints and to be saints, to be his holy ones. So let's take a minute to explore that last statement a little further. Paul makes a simple but profound statement in verse 2. He addresses his letter to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. Now, what does it mean that God has sanctified them and us in Christ Jesus? The word sanctify means to make something holy. Grammatically, Paul is using what's called the perfect tense, which means that something has been accomplished in the past, but it has this ongoing effect. It just carries on infinitum into the future, right? And so this word that Paul is using here in this verse, he's saying that you have been made holy by and in Jesus Christ past tense, it's a done thing, and declared holy by Jesus Christ today, and that you will continue to be declared holy in Christ for all eternity. That's what Paul's saying there in verse 2 when he says, you have been sanctified. Yet there's more more to it than you have been declared holy. God has made you holy to be holy. God has given you everything you need to be saints. He has declared you holy in Christ Jesus. He fills you with his spirit to show that you to show you how to live as his holy ones. And he gives you the power to say no to sin and yes to righteousness through that same Holy Spirit. 
this is what Paul's talking about, for instance, in verse 6, when he's talking about that testimony of Christ Jesus that's in you. That's how the, that, what he's talking about is the Holy Spirit really working on you and in you and through you. As saints, we are to give a picture of what it would be like to be, in some sense, with Jesus. We're to be saints to our spouses. We're to be saints to our children, to our employees, to our employers, to our clients, to our neighbors, to our brothers and sisters in Christ. If that feels overwhelming, like I know how often I fail with my children, I know how often I fail in that with my wife, the list could go on. If that feels overwhelming, let me encourage you again that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is literally the same power operating in you, the Holy Spirit. He's operating in you to help you live as saints. So for the glory of God, for the sake of Christ, for the building up of the church, friends, walk as saints. Be the holy ones that God has called you to faithfully be. Church, God has faithfully called us into the fellowship of his son, sanctified us and called us to be saints. But he's also called us into the ministry of Christ Jesus. So let's turn to that third point, that God is faithful to call us into the ministry of his son, Jesus. In his introduction, Paul calls himself, or identifies himself, as an apostle of Christ Jesus, called by the will of God. Now, what I'm hoping you see, and what I believe Paul is making plain here, is that this is not his own doing. In other words, he's not a self-declared apostle. It isn't by his own will that he is an apostle. He has been called by a faithful God who met him on the road to Damascus. Now, while Paul was set out on destroying the church, that's where he is as he's headed to Damascus. He's out to arrest people. He's out to destroy the church. And while he's on his road to do that thing, God intervenes in his life. God calls him through his son, Jesus Christ, meets him right on that road. God faithfully did all that was necessary in Paul's life to declare him holy and righteous. And then he called Paul to be a saint, along with all those who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Yet, God also faithfully called Paul into ministry through the Holy Spirit, giving him gifts of preaching and teaching and evangelism and leadership. God made Paul an apostle, not Paul. Now, lest we get confused with this, church, ministry is not just those few things I just listed. It's not just what Jacob does. It's not just what I do. That's not the extent of ministry. Paul's going to go on later in the book of Corinthians in chapter 12 and 13 and talk about the gifts that God has given 
the church through the Holy Spirit. Now, why does God give you and I gifts? Why does he do that? Well, it's for the building up of the church. It's for the strengthening of the church, the courage, the encouraging of the church. It's for correction and exhortation so that you and I are strengthened and built up in love so that you and I look more like Jesus. How does God make us look more like Jesus? How does he conform his, uh, in, us to his image? Well, part of that's the Holy Spirit, but it's the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in each one of you as we work together in this fellowship. Who does ministry? Every one of you. Because God has given you gifts. And he called you to use them. To encourage and build up one another. To correct, to strengthen. All those things we just talked about. We're in ministry together. Every one of us. God has been faithful to call each and every one of you. He's made you saints, and he's given you gifts so that you can be in ministry. God is calling every one of you to ministry. So let me challenge you this week to evaluate your relationship with Jesus and with one another. Are you living like a full member in this fellowship that God has called you to, the fellowship of Jesus Are you ministering to one another, to other saints? And are you being ministered to by them? Take some time this week and and consider what that would look like if you're not doing it. What, What would need to change so that you could be part of that? If you need to, seek God, repent if you need to do that. Receive mercy and grace, and then with God's help, seek to live differently as the Holy Spirit leads. And find grace in that, by the way. Now, I realize we've covered a lot of ground. And for some of you, myself included, that whole thing I just laid out can seem rather daunting. So let me give you some encouragement. God has not done all of this in the past and then just left you on your own. Like, you all figure it out from here. That's not what God's done. Verse 8 reminds us that he will also sustain us guiltless to the end. He's going to sustain us in Christ. So let me give you three ways in which Paul shows the Corinthians that God is faithful to sustain us guiltless to the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. First, let me press the point. Press the point that part of God's means of sustaining us is what we've already spoken about in the first two points. God has faithfully called us to the fellowship of his son Jesus. And then, you know, from that, kind of let's follow that out and say, like in John 10, where Jesus says, nothing's going to get snatched out of his hand. So if God has faithfully called you, what's going to take you out of God's hand? Can anything? No. No, nothing is going to snatch you out of God's hand. And we've also seen that um, he has sanctified us in Christ Jesus. 
Jesus paid for all of our sins. We are forgiven of all of that. We are covered in his righteousness. That is all a completed action. It's done. And because of that, the Holy Spirit now dwells in you, actively working to convict you of sin and guide you to be more like Jesus every day, literally sustaining you until you die and go to be with Jesus or Christ returns. Yet that's by no means the end of how God is faithfully sustaining his people. God is able to sustain you with his grace and his peace. Look again at uh, Paul's greeting to the church in verse 3. Paul says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, mercy is when we don't get what we earned after breaking God's laws. We don't get the death penalty as we deserve. Grace, on the other hand is when God gives us what we did not earn or what we do deserve. God gives us life. Moreover, eternal life in Jesus Christ. And it's a grace upon grace. Think about it. Consider that God adopts us into his family sons and daughters. He makes us co-heirs with Jesus and, and in Christ calls us his beloved children. Brothers and sisters, God extends his grace to us day after day and through Jesus saying, come boldly, come boldly to a throne of mercy and grace to receive mercy and grace in time of need. In Jesus, we come as beloved children to make our request known before the throne of God, the very Father, our very Father in heaven who calls us his beloved children. We don't need to be anxious about anything because God already knows what we need before we even ask, and God says, come and ask for it. God is faithful to sustain us even pursuing us with his goodness and mercy to bless us. God sustains us as those hidden in Christ, who is our mediator, interceding for us before the throne of God each day. Jesus is our peace with God. Do you see how he's sustaining us? Jesus is our peace with God. He stands when the enemy comes to condemn you, When the enemy comes before the throne of God and says, look at that one right there. Look at what they're doing. When he comes to to, to accuse you before the throne of God, Jesus stands up. He holds up that nail-pierced hand. And he says, no, this one is mine. This one is mine. Their name is written right there. Their name is written right there over my heart. I gave my life for this one. I spilled my blood for this one. No, this one is mine. That's what Jesus does every day for you in heaven before the throne of God when the enemy comes to accuse. You are his, and nothing will snatch you out of his hand. Whom God has faithfully called, who will take it out? Who will take them away? 
So then to be extended peace from God and our Lord Jesus Christ as to be given the shalom of God. That is an extension of God's will for you, not just to survive, but to thrive and flourish in whatever circumstance you find yourself in. To be able to rest in the knowledge that you are both known and loved by God, sustained guiltless by his power until Christ returns. That is the grace and peace extended to you, friends. I could talk also about how God sustains you with wise speech and knowledge and, and uses your testimony to confirm Christ in us, how he gives us every spiritual gift for the building up and sustaining of the church. But for the sake of time, let me just give you Jesus. God is faithful to sustain us, hidden in Christ, who lived a perfect life on our behalf and then paid for all of our sins. And then... <laughs> so that we could be declared righteous before God and holy before a perfectly holy God and then sustain us guiltless in Christ until his return to judge the living from the dead. And friends, it is our faithful God who will welcome us as Jesus, our King, says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the place I've prepared for you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. <laughs> Father, thank you for your faithfulness, your goodness. Lord, <laughs> that you would set your eyes on me and pursue me with your steadfast love. Lord, you who knew and know every single aspect of my being, from whom there is nothing hidden. And yet, you sent your son to die for me. From before the foundations of the earth, you called me by name. You knew my name. You, you, would, you, <laughs> you set your love upon me. And pursued me across time, relentless. And you never gave up. And at just the right time, you called me. You changed my life. You, Lord, you gave me eyes to see, ears to hear. You broke a heart of stone. You turned a rebel into a son. Oh God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you are a God who is faithful to, to reconcile relationships, to restore relationships, to give back what the enemy has taken. God, thank you. Lord, this week, would you be so kind to us, your people, whom you have joined into fellowship, to remind us that even at our worst moments, it is you who called us, and you have done everything necessary for us to be called your beloved. And you will sustain us guiltless until the end, until the day we are joined with your son. Thank you. Amen. Thank you 
for listening to this message from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. King's Cross Church exists to treasure, proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about King's Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.